This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, we discover how to face opposition, maintain our integrity, and follow God's instructions to victory in the midst of our opposition. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now let's listen to Pastor Nunn's sermon, Facing Opposition. I want to say good morning to everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What an awesome opportunity it is for us to be alive. What an awesome opportunity it is for us to allow Jesus to shine in us and through us. For there to be a manifestation of his presence, of his power, and of his life that men may not see us but see God. Over 200,000 people have died from the pandemic. Over, I believe we're at 7 million that has has been infected with the disease. And so, so, so much is happening and going on in the nation and in the world. We need to remember 2 Chronicles 7:14, where he says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sin. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our, our leaders. We need to pray sincerely for ourselves because the scripture plainly says that if my people who are called by my name would turn from that wicked way. He didn't say anything about the world. He talked about his people. He said then he would heal our land and forgive our sin. So God is actually speaking about us turning from our wicked ways and returning to him again. And he said then he'll hear us from heaven and then he'll forgive our sins and he'll heal our land. So let us today consider our own selves and and see what our cause, our part in this situation and circumstance could very well be. Let's continue to pray for our leaders that God would direct and turn their hearts to righteousness and truth, turn their hearts to do his perfect will in every situation. There's a battle going on about the Supreme Court, and I say this, I'm not going to get caught up with who mans the Supreme Court when I know the judge that judges all. Remember this. Don't let the devil sway you. Don't let him discourage you. Don't let him cause you to get distracted because the truth of the matter is this. The word of God says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and as a river of water he turn it whithersoever he will. And we've seen our God do this. We've seen him harden Pharaoh's heart and we've seen him soften the hearts of other men and give favor to people that didn't deserve favor. So we know that our God rules this earth and he rules this world and he can change, alter, fix, do whatever he wants. All this is is a distraction to keep us from focusing our attention and our prayers where they truly need to be. And that's on praying for this nation. Let's continue to pray for those that are sick and those that are out in the streets that are protesting. The verdict was passed down this week about the Breonna Taylor's case. 
and the people are protesting. Police officers have been shot. We need to continue to pray concerning these situations so that God can intervene and move and work in these situations because truly there are no answers in men. All answers are in our Father God. All answers are in him. So we need to pray concerning all these issues. We need to pray that we don't have a racial war in this country. It is on the rise. It is, it is, it is, it is quickly approaching, if not already here. We need to pray for our own, our own safety and our people and our children and our family members that's out. We need to be careful and cautious about where we go, when we go, and how we go. If at all possible, we need to try to be not alone for a long period of time and not far away from home and not away from home without somebody knowing where you are. I know everybody feels that they are grown, but we need to keep ourselves in a safe environment and in a safe situation. So continue to pray, continue to pray. Pray for God's direction, that God would lead us and guide us on when we should come back to church because I don't want anybody's life at risk or health at risk in trying to do so prematurely. So continue to pray that God will lead us, guide us, and direct us and give us all the answers that he desires and when he desires it. Today, I want to talk about facing opposition. I know a lot of us actually feel that this is something that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. This is something that we, we have to go through. Seem like everywhere we turn, we are opposed. And I, and I want to say this about opposition. You know, the first form of opposition is, is being opposed by God because the Bible says in 1 Peter, he says, he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he said, humble yourself, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all you care on him, because he cares for you. So the first form of opposition that we could possibly be facing is being opposed by God. I can remember when, when I was dealing with pride in my own life, and God said he opposes the proud. And I went and looked up the word opposed, and it, and it actually means to set over in opposition against. In other words, you, it's like a football team. You got offense and defense, and they're opposing each other. And we need to understand that that's what we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. We're being opposed. And the truth of the matter is, if, if there is no opposition, then we need to understand that there is no advancement. In other words, if, if you're not being opposed, you're not moving. You're not advancing anything or doing anything. So opposition comes when you seek to make any form of advancement. It's, 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 I'm trying to move this way, and there's something that's opposing me, trying to stop me from getting to the place that I desire to be or God wants me to be. Every day we face opposition of some kind. How we handle it determines what the outcome will be for us. The enemy uses many ways to oppose our progress, to do anything of value, 
especially anything for God or anything for good. The goal is to realize that it's not personal. Opposition very well could not be personal. It is personal if, if God is opposing you because he is, it's, a, it's a personal thing between you and God. But if it's not, then, then it's, not, it's not a personal thing. It's not your own battle. It's not so much the devil's trying to stop you as he is trying to stop God's advancement in, in kingdom. You know, we should, we should realize, you know, I, 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 I often, I pray that if any of you leads anybody to Christ, you tell anybody about Jesus, I pray that you will sit them down and tell them that they will face opposition, that the devil is going to fight them on every end, that he's going to try to stop them from advancing, he's going to try to stop them from getting ahead and moving forward in this life, and especially if they're trying to move forward for God or advance his kingdom in any way, shape, or form or take back some of uh, his, what, what, what truly belongs to God. So we need to, we need to, first face up to the fact that there will be opposition. We will have opposition. We will be opposed because the devil do not want us to do anything of value that will advance God's kingdom in this world. I want you to think with me in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, and this goes with the statement that I just made, that it's not personal. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, it says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. It says, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. You know, that's, that's, that's an awesome word. Where he said, well, listen, listen let, me, let me read the first part of that again. You will not need to fight in this battle. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. Tomorrow is Monday. Go out against them. And know this, that the Lord will be with you. You don't need to fight. Let's soak on that just for a second and think that we don't need to fight. And when I, when I say we don't need to fight, we're always going to be in a battle and there will always be a fight. But too often, I think we spend too much time fighting people. We, we end up fighting those that oppose us. What we got to understand is the devil hates God and therefore hates us because we belong to God and we are God's vessels to work through and to speak through his words and his will. He hates us, not, not so much us in particular, but he hates us because God is in us. God, we belong to God, and we are trying to advance God's kingdom and speak God's words and do God's will. And therefore, the devil hates us, and therefore, he opposes us. We need to under, you need to understand this, that it's not so much, it's not, it's not personal, like I said. It's not a personal thing. It's a God thing. And the devil wants to get you 
on the wrong side of this thing. He wants you to get, get you in the wrong place and position in this thing. And in order for us to win the battle, it is critical that all the instructions that the Lord gives are followed to the letter. If you're in a battle, man, you got, you got, you got generals, you got uh, captains and lieutenants that are, some, and mostly generals are watching the whole scheme of things. They're watching everything. They know more than we can see because they, they, they have an aerial view, so to speak. And they can see things that we can't see. So it's critical for the soldier in the field to actually follow the orders of the generals to the letter because he can see things that the soldier in the field can't see. And my point behind that is this. We got to follow God's instructions to the letter because there are some things that he know that we can't see. There are some things that he sees that we don't even know exist or even we're faced with or about, or about to be faced with. So it's, in, it's critical that we follow God's orders to the letter. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, it says this. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands with his king and mighty men of valor. I want you to take something from that particular part of this verse. I want you to take from this that God has already given us whatever, whatever we're trying to conquer and overcome. He's already given it to us. It's already, it's, all, it's a done deal. All we got to do now is walk it out. All we got to do now is follow the instructions of God and let God lead us through it. Let God lead us out of it. Let God lead us into it, whatever the case may be. And so then he says, now, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Now listen to that. The men of war will go around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets, and when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every one straight before him. Now God has given Joshua specific instructions on how they are to overcome and we're going to say the wall is what's opposing them from overtaking, the, from, from, from taking over the city. Now, there's something opposing you. There's something in your way that's keeping you from taking over whatever it is that God has placed in front of you or before you. But let me say this. God has given us specific instructions on how we need to take this city. He's given a, he, and if you don't have them, that's where we need to start. We need to start, God, how do I win this battle? How do I overcome the opposition that I'm faced with on a day-to-day -day basis continually? How do I win it? How do I overcome it? He told these people, he said, let the men of war walk around the city once. And then he told them, let the priest walk around the city and, and walk around six days. And he said, on the seventh day when they walk around, walk around seven times on the seventh day. These, this is very specific. 
It's not vague. It's not somebody wondering what to do or how to do. And let me say this to you. I know, I know that we have a tendency to believe that God may not give us specific instructions the way he did then. The Bible said God is no respect of persons. If he spoke and gave them specific instructions on how to overcome this opposition, this wall around this city, God will do the same for us. The question is, are we willing to sit and wait? Are we willing to sit and listen to what God has to say? Is it critical to us? Is, is it important to us for us to sit down and hear what the word of God is for our particular situation? That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do before we actually start out. We need to get direction. We need to get instruction. Who goes to war without direction, without instruction? Who fights a battle and don't know what kind of battle that he's facing or fighting? A fool does that. So we need to know. And he said, now, he said, now when, when you do these things, when the people hear the long blowing of the, of, the, of, the, of the ram's horns, he said, then the people will shout. Now let me say something to you. If you're trying to overtake a city and you got a, 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 a fortified wall around this city, this city is fortified with some great wall, and God has given you some instructions, and, and, and hear me on this clearly, that God may give you instructions that may not make sense to your natural mind. He may tell you to do something that seems literally crazy and will not work. Because how can we overcome a city by marching around the walls and then when we go on the seventh day, don't walk around the city one time, walk around it seven times. And then when you hear the long blowing of the ram's horn, and then shout. Doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Let me say this. God's instructions most of the time don't make sense to the natural mind. But he said, when you do this, he said, the, the city will, the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. God gave them a recipe for success. He gave them a recipe to take over this city. And let me say this to you as well. I believe they had to be doing this when God said as well. Sometimes time is critical. Opposition wars are not won overnight. Some, some battles wage for, for, for some time. I'm, one of our problems is when we face opposition is we, we tire easily. We tire quickly. And all we really want is for it to be over and not for us to accomplish or achieve or to learn what God is trying to teach us. So we need to, we need to be in God's time and we need to wait for God to to, to, to help us to win this victory in, in this opposition. And see, there were instructions God gave, and they followed them, and it turned out just as God said. And so it will for us if we follow the instruction God gives us. We got to follow those instructions to overcome the opposition. Now, the second thing we need to do in, 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 in dealing with opposition is we need to maintain our integrity while we are being opposed. We need to maintain our integrity while we are being opposed. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 3 through 7. It says, and he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. We're talking about David now. And Saul went in to relieve himself. 
Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. Now here we go. Saul goes into a cave to use the bathroom. David is already in the cave. He's already in the cave that Saul is in. And let me, let me give you a little history on the, sto on the story that, that, that Saul has been seeking to kill David because it has been announced that David is the next king. David is supposed to be the king of Israel. So Saul is angry and Saul wants to kill him and he, and he wanted to kill him long before he, he, he knew that. He wanted to kill him because God's anointing was on, was on him. And so Saul goes into this cave. David has been, and David had 600 men that were following him. And he and his men were hiding in this cave. They, they've been hiding from Saul. And so now Saul comes in to use the bathroom unaware that David and his men are sitting in the innermost part of this cave. And it, and it says, and, and the men of David said to him, listen now. Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Let me tell you something, folks. Don't listen to people. Don't take the advice of people when you have an opportunity to, to do something harsh, hard, terrible to your enemy. Don't do it unless God is instructing you to do it. Remember what I said in the first scripture I read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. It said, you won't need to fight in this battle. You won't need to fight. Because most of our wars and our battles are going to be with conventional weapons. We're going to fight people. We're going to fight a natural fight if we're not careful. And so here these, here's, here's David's men saying, hey, man, here's your opportunity. Here's your chance to kill this guy. To do what you want with him in this moment. He said, God promised you this and God told you this. But then it says, David arose and stealthily cut off, cut off a corner of, of Saul's robe. And after David's heart struck him, because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord. Now listen at what he's calling Saul. He's calling the man that's seeking to kill him. He's calling him my Lord. He's calling him his Lord. Small L, not sovereign, but a, a man in a position of authority. Let me say this now. Sometimes, and, and, and I'm talking to me, sometimes it seems like we are opposed by people in, in positions of authority. But the truth of the matter is we need to see them as God's anointed because that's what David goes on to say. The Lord's anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Man, I'm going to tell you. If a man been throwing javelins at me, been doing all kinds of things to try to kill me, and now here I have an opportunity, a prime opportunity to take this joker out. Man, I believe that most of us, Saul would have died that day. But if you read the, story, the, story, read the rest of the story, Saul died in battle, and I believe he fell on his own sword. He fell on his own sword. Now, now, now that's a man of integrity. David had integrity in this situation. He could have killed him. He could have killed him. 
But let me say this as well. Killing Saul prematurely would mean that, would mean that David would take the throne before his time. Killing Saul prematurely would mean that David may not have been ready for what he was about to have to face and deal with and go through. He might have not been ready for the kingdom. See, all we can think of is this man is actually harassing me and causing me all kind of trouble and all I need is him gone. But let me say this, God allows opposition because he's trying to teach us something. He's trying to work out something in us and maybe he's trying to prepare us for where he's taking us and it is this opposition that we need. And let me say this as well. A lot of times when we face opposition, we have to be careful how we treat the people that oppose us because at some point we could actually become those people and how we, whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. We could actually reap that same opposition from people that's under us. We could, we, could, we, could, we could have somebody want to take us out because of, because, of, because of where we are and who we are. So we have to be careful that we maintain our integrity. And, and notice what he said, seeing he is the Lord's anointed, back to, back to uh, authority. He is the Lord's anointed. God had anointed Saul to be king at that particular time and moment. And let me say something to all of us that we need to not only not only what we can do with our hands, it's what we can do, what we're doing with our mouths. We need to be careful of what we say. We need to maintain our integrity about what we say about the people that's in authority over us because they may seem and appear to oppose us, but the truth of the matter is God is in everything. He's a part of everything. A guy came to me this week and you know, everybody in the plant basically calls him, you know, I'm just going to say what they say, they, they, they basically call him crazy because he come, he come up with some stuff now. He come up with some stuff out of some places that I've never heard of and never thought about and, and, and don't even believe most to be true. But he came to me this week and he said this. He said, he said God creates all counter weather. He said, God, God causes the rain. He causes the sun to shine. He causes the wind to blow. He said, God, uh, God creates, allows, creates hurricanes and, and all kind of storms. And he looked at me and he said, every day is not going to be sunny. And when he said that, I thought about what he said. And I thought about, man, I said, man, say that to me again. Say that to me Again, every day is not going to be sunny. Every day is not going to be sunshine. Not going to have sunshine every day. It's not going to be a perfect spring day every morning that you wake up. Because, you know, truthfully, if we had life the way we want it, it would never be fall. It would never be winter. It would never be the heat of summer. We would have spring most of the time. That perfect 69 to 68 to 70 degree weather, cool, everything blooming, blossoming, and perfect, that perfect world. But guess what? None of us would be worth anything. None of us would accomplish anything. None of us would ever be able to achieve anything if we were this kind of person and we were the, these kind of people. 
David maintained his integrity. He maintained his integrity. And let me say something to you. Your, your integrity is what you do when you're under attack. It's not, it's not what you do when things are well, not when you, what you do when things are going good. It's how you conduct yourself when you are being opposed. This is the opportunity to shine. This is the opportunity for light, for us to radiate light from us. This is when people see light. When you are opposed and you have the right mindset, the right thought processes, and, and you are doing what needs to be done. This is when people are drawn to us. This is when people see Jesus in us. I mean, think about what David said. He said, man, this is God's anointed. Now, we think that God's anointed have to act like God's anointed, but the truth of the matter is God's anointed, he, 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 he could have very well been doing what God wanted him to do. God, David could have been very well learning the lesson, lesson that God wanted him to learn in this particular situation. David could have been learning what God wanted him to learn in this particular situation. And therefore, David said, I'm not going to put my hands on God's anointed. And it actually says that when you look in the, in the book of Psalms, touch not my anointing and do my prophets no harm. Okay? Now, God has a way that he expects us to treat those who oppose us or our enemies, if you want to call them that. There's a standard. There's a standard that God has set for how you treat those who oppose you. Are those that we consider our enemies because a lot of times they're one and the same. People that oppose us, we consider them to be enemies. And therefore, we, we, we say they are, we call them that. They may not necessarily be that. But this is, what, this is how God expects us to treat them. If you look at Matthew chapter 26, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse number 27 and 28. But it says, I say to you who hear... Hold you, hold on, hold on. Here we come. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, this is how I read this verse. This is how I believe it's, it should be read. Love your enemies is, is somewhat of a statement, and everything that proceeds after that is how to love them. Okay? So when he says, love your enemies, He's, he's just making a statement, and then he goes on to give you instruction. Okay, so he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Then he says, do good to those who hate you. In other words, he's saying, look for an opportunity to do good to those who hate you. Look for an opportunity and a chance to do good to those who hate you. Look for that opportunity. Look for that chance to do good to them. And then he says, bless those who curse you. And he said, now the man that's cursing you, you need to bless. The word bless actually means to speak well of. He said, now I need you to do the opposite of what they do to you. They curse you, you speak well of them. They speak bad of you, you speak well of them. And I always say this, and I've always said this, that sometimes, sometimes it's difficult to try to find something to say good about 
people when it's, it's hard to see it sometimes when, when people are cursing you. It's hard to see it when they're cursing you. But let me say this to you. If, it's, if, if, if you can't find nothing but they got on a nice pair of shoes, get, get on that and stay, hold on to that. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. They don't like, they don't like me, but man, he wears some nice shoes, I'm telling you. I, I, man, I'm telling you, every day he got on a nice pair of shoes. Find something to speak well about, speak well of. This goes also in line with maintaining our integrity on how we treat our enemies. Bless those that curse you. And then he says, pray for those who abuse you. Now, he's telling us, he's giving us how to love our enemies. And then he's also giving us how to protect ourselves. Okay? So when you do these things, you're literally not just doing it to help them. It's going to help you more than it's going to help them. Because there's two options in everything that I just said. Do good to those that hate you. What's the other option? To do bad to those that hate you. Now, when I do good to those that hate you, it's going to have a, a, a different effect on my heart. It's going to affect my heart differently. Do good to those that hate you. Now, if I do bad to them, guess what? Not only am I going to be hated by them, I am going to hate them because I'm doing bad to them. And then it says, bless those who curse you. Now, what's the other side of that? You're going to curse those that curse you. In other words, it's going to affect your own heart. Every time we do this, it not only not only do I release angels or demons, I also it also affects me. It also affects my own personal heart. The things that I say about other people, because then I actually become judgmental. And the Bible says, whosoever judges another condemns himself. And I always say condemns himself to the very same state. And I, and I think I've heard my wife say what, what, what you see in other people, God sees in you. So when I, when I curse those that curse me, that, that's, the, that's the other alternative that I have. But if I bless them, I'm protecting my own heart from speaking that evil and wickedness in me, which eventually turns sour, turns to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and, and hatred. And then, guess what? I become that very same person. And then the last one, he says, now pray for those who abuse you. Now, why would I pray for those who abuse me? Number one, you need to pray for them because if they're doing this, number one, they may not, they, 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 it's, it's, it's very hard to believe that they know God. And the ultimate goal for everything is for us to bring people to Jesus. Pray for those who abuse you. Pray for those because this is what Jesus said. This Jesus looked out at those people that were crucifying him and he said, he prayed for them. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He realized their ignorance. He realized that they were ignorant. And you can look at your enemies and realize that they are ignorant. Those that oppose you are ignorant in some cases. Now, prayer has a, 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 a double effect, too. It has a double effect on the, on the prayer. When you pray for those that abuse you, it is also a protection of your own heart. 
you are re resisting and repelling all of that wickedness that they are sending your way. Pray for them. Pray for them. And not only that, you're countering the evil and the negativity that they're sending to you. However they're trying to send it. So, God has laid out specific instructions on how we should treat our enemies. And the, and, and, and the bottom line is to love them. And how do we love them? We do good to them. We speak well of them. And we pray for them. And then in Proverbs 25 and 21, he gives us another instruction. He said, now, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. He said, now, the other way that you, you, you love your enemy is to meet a need that you see. He said, if you see a need, meet a need. If you see a need, meet a need. If you see a need in your enemy, look for a need in your enemy. Look for an opportunity to meet a need that you see your enemy has. Look for that opportunity. Look for that chance. And when you see it, meet it. He said, if, you, if, he, if he's hungry, give him bread. If he's thirsty, give him drink. And the rest of that scripture says, by doing so, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Recognize that the one that opposes you does not live in a body even though he operates through one. Recognize, that's another thing, how we, how we deal with those that oppose us. Recognize that the one that opposes you does not live in a body even though he operates through them. Ephesians 6.12 tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Understand this again, that the enemy is not the people that's opposing you. Remember what Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Remember what the scripture says in, in Corinthians. It says Satan has blinded the minds. Satan blinds the minds of those who do not believe. He blinds their minds. They cannot see correctly. They can't see at all. They can't really see straight. You're dealing with a blind man. And understand this. Satan has blinded their minds. So who is the enemy? Who is our real enemy? Who is the true enemy of our soul? Who is it that's been sent forth and assigned to steal, to kill, and to destroy it's the devil. It's the devil that's been sent to do these things to us and against us. It's the devil behind these people. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Most folks going to say, well, they got a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so do we. So do we. If they choose to allow, allow the devil to use them, we got to choose to allow God to use us. If they choose to yield to the devil's Commands, we got to choose to yield to God's commands. Just because they choose and they may know and we may consider them not being ignorant. And, and when I say they're ignorant, they could be very well ignorant of the consequences of what, may, what will happen by them yielding to the devil. They could very well be ignorant of the consequences of what's going to happen to them. Understand this. You are not fighting a natural battle. Understand this. 
Second uh, uh, Corinthians, I believe it is, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down a stronghold, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. He said, now, we don't use the same warfare that the world uses. We don't fight the same way that the world fights. Don't fight them the way they fight you. You have another form of warfare. Remember what, what some of it was. I just gave it to you. He said, do good to those that hate you. Pray for, bless those that curse you, and, and, and pray for those that abuse you. Those are some of the weapons of our warfare. Those are some of the things that we use to counter what the devil does and what people are doing to us and against us. And the next thing we need to do is we need to have the proper view of those that oppose us. We need to see them correctly. Okay? And, and, and I just gave you some of that, but I want to look at David's perspective and David's view of how he saw when David went to when David was was getting ready to confront Goliath, how he saw Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, the last part of that verse, it says, David said this, for who? He heard, he heard the, he heard the he heard Goliath walking or walking around talking about what he's gonna do to the army of God and how they were terrified of him and, and how, what, how he was gonna defeat them and how he was gonna feed their flesh to the birds of the air. And David said this, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let's read that a little bit different. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the people of the living God? Now, when you read the word and in, 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 in the word uncircumcised, 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 it means that he has no covenant with God. He's an uncovenanted individual. He don't have a covenant with God. In other words, you got one that does not have a covenant with God trying to defy one that does. And as James would put it, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Who is this uncovenanted Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God the people of the living God let me say that again we are the people of the living God I know most time we don't act like it most time we don't feel like it most time we don't think like it most of the time we think that we are the scum of the earth we think that the world has the upper hand we think that they have the victory. They are the victors. They are winning. They are successful. They have won the prize. But the truth of the matter is all lies. Jesus, when you look at Jesus' life, it may, it, hey, hey, it may not look like he was the son of God, but let me tell you something. It was. He was. Now, he had to humble himself. He had to suffer he had to go through death he went through a lot but the truth of the matter is he was still who he say he was and the bible says after all therefore god hath highly exalted him given him a name which is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow and every tongue must confess that jesus is lord to the glory of god the father now, while he was on this earth, it didn't look, he, he, didn't, he didn't have what he thought, but he didn't come to have what he, what, he, what he thought. He came to defeat 
and destroy the powers of the enemy, the powers of the, of the devil. He came to destroy those. He came to break those. He came to break that power. And let me say this. That's, that should be our mission. That should be our goal as well, is to break the powers of darkness. To break the powers of darkness. Not over the people of God, over the world. Over those that are dying and, 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 and potentially going, going to go to hell. Our mission is, is to break that power. To break that power over the enemy. And, and, and reading on, it said, now, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he, and if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. I want to stop right there for just a minute because I want you to consider something. And I want you to remember something and I want you to see something. I want you to consider the fact that there have been opportunities, there have been situations in your life where you have won some small victories. I can't tell you what they are. You've seen come through. You've seen, you've seen God come through. You've seen God do some things that he promised. You've seen God keep his word. You've seen God bring you out. You've seen God help you. You've seen God deliver you when you thought there was no opportunity or chance for you to be delivered. You've seen God provide for you. You've seen God help you. You've seen God strengthen you. You've seen God cause your enemy to turn and run. You've seen these things. And let me say something to you. God allows us to fight small battles in preparation for the big one. But the problem is we have to remember when we're facing, when we're in the small ones, when we're in the, we, we got to remember the small ones. Because it's critical, our memory is critical when we fight the big ones. And also in the small ones, it is critical that we realize that it was not I, but Christ in me that helped me win those battles. See, too often the small battles, we consider our own selves to be the one that caused us to, to gain the victory. But the truth of the matter is, it was God that helped you to strike down that lion. It was God that helped you to, to kill that bear. And see, David knew this. David knew that, that it, was, it was not he that done those things. David realized that it was God that caused him to go and pursue a bear and kill it. It was God that caused him to go and pursue the king of the jungle and win a victory over him, to grab him by his beard and to slay him. It was God that caused David to do these things. And you first got to realize that even though the battle may seem and appear to be small, it is God that helped you to win. It is God that causes you to succeed, to succeed. It's God that causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It's him that causes us to win, no matter how small the battle may be. And David went on to say this, and this uncircumcised or uncovenanted Philistine shall be like one of them, 
for he has defied the armies of the people of the living God. And then David made a pronouncement. David made a pronouncement. David, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now that's confidence. That's confidence. And that's David remembering God's deliverance in the little battles, so to speak. I don't consider beating, killing a lion and a bear a little battle. I consider that major. If I could kill one with my bare hands, if I kill either one with my bare hands, if I could just get one off of me with my bare hands, I would consider myself a victor. But David realized, he, he realized that it was God, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. And the, Lord, and the Lord that delivered me from the paw of the bear, he will. Not maybe, not might. We get away from doubt. Get away from doubt. The, the Lord that delivered you those times before this one, the Lord that brought you through all that other opposition, the Lord that brought you through all those other battles, he will deliver you from the hand of this Philistine, he will deliver you from the hand of whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever's opposing you, whatever it is that you're facing. He will deliver you from it. Know this. And then listen to what David said again. He, he said, now, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a, with a spear and with a javelin. But look what David said. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said, now I'm, I'm not coming the way you think I'm coming, even though I will come the way you think, that, the, way you, the way you want me to come. I'm actually going to come, and I'm going to eventually, I'm going to kill you. But understand this, I need you to understand this, that I'm not coming with a sword or a spear or a javelin. That's what you got. Those are your natural weapons. That's where your confidence lies in natural things. He said, but my confidence is not in those natural things. He said, my confidence is in the Lord. And therefore, I'm coming in his name. I'm coming in his stead. I'm coming in his place. And I'm coming to defeat you in his name, under his authority, with his power, backed by everything that he has. I'm coming to meet you with all of that behind me. So you can look at what I got in my hands. You can look at how small I am. You can look at how weak I am. You can look at how dumb I am. But don't you ever overlook the fact that I'm coming in a name greater than my own. I'm coming backed by a power that you, you may not see, but you will experience. I'm coming with all of heaven behind me, supporting me. Helping me, strengthening me, directing me, in me. 
You need to look at your circumstances as David looked at Goliath, and you need to tell it. You may come against me with whatever they're coming against you with, but tell them this. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, the maker and the creator of the heavens and the earth. Realize that you're not coming and fighting me. Remember what I told you. This is not personal. Stay out of the way. This is not personal. Don't get between God and his enemy now by trying to take on his enemy yourself. Get out of the way. Come in his name. Come in his power. Follow his direction. Follow his instruction. Do what he say. Treat his enemy like he said for them to be treated. And then David went on to say, and that all this assembly may know. Listen, you got, a, you got an audience now. That the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. Listen now, he said, now the Lord don't save with sword and spear. David had an audience and so do you. Folks are waiting and looking to see how you're going to come out. Are you going to fight with a sword and a spear? Are you trying to save your own reputation? Or are you trying to preserve God's? And then David said this, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Here he goes again with he will. He will. He will. So we got to have some confidence in the God we say we serve. We got to stop talking about this God and talk about how big he is and how tough he is and how bad he is. And the truth of the matter is and start showing the world who he is. Start causing them to realize who he is. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you in our hand. The battle is the Lord's. I can't say that enough. I can't say that often enough that the battle is the Lord's. Folks, listen to me good. The enemy wants you to get into, into bitterness and resentment against those that oppose us and even battle so that we lose sight of who the real enemy is and we destroy each other in the process. This gives, Satan's a, this gives Satan a free pass without being challenged and many lives are destroyed in the process. If we are going to ever have an impact in the world and make a difference, we must follow God's instructions to the letter. We have to maintain our integrity. We got to treat our enemies according to God's standards. We got to love them. We got to love them. We got to realize that they're ignorant. We got to do good to them. We got to speak well of them. We got to pray for them. And we got to have a proper view of those that oppose us. We can't, we can't give them more power than what they really have. We got to realize that they are uncircumcised, uncovenanted Philistines, uncovenanted people. And that we have a covenant with the Almighty God. We got a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And we also got to remember don't get between God and his enemy. This is not between you and some person, some people. This is between God and the devil. Stay out of the way. Stay out of the way. Don't get in God's way. Do it the way God said. Declare the victory. 
Declare that you win. Declare that you succeed in the face of opposition. David didn't wait till he won the battle to declare he was going to win the battle. His confidence was in God that he was going to win the battle even before the battle began. God will deliver you into our hands. God will deliver me from this. I'm not coming with a spear, sword, or a javelin. I'm coming in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the one that you defied. We got to have confidence in God when we face opposition. Opposition is our time to shine, is our time for the light of Jesus, the light of the world to shine through us, for the world to see that we serve the true and the living God. That's our, this is our time. Opposition is not there to defeat you. It's an opportunity. Opposition is an opportunity. For you to allow, allow the world to see who God is. To see your confidence in him. To see that he is real. And that he will fight your battle and fight for his people. Hallelujah. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we just bless you, we praise you, we thank you, we worship and honor you, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for, I know this may seem hard, awkward, and difficult to say, but thank you for the opposition because my opposition is my opportunity. My opportunity for the world to see you, for my opportunity for you to shine, my opportunity for you to receive glory, my opportunity for me to tell people that you are going to cause me to triumph and you are going to cause me to succeed no matter what the situation and circumstance may be. But I have to maintain my integrity. I have to conduct myself with dignity, honor, and respect. I got to see my enemy the way you see him. I got to realize that these people that oppose me are not my enemy. Even though they may have made choices and the devil may be using them, they're not my enemy. That the devil is my true enemy and he's your enemy and that all I got to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and realize that this battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. Lord, fight our battles. Fight our battles for us. And how we bless you, we praise you, we worship and honor you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
said From the healing of your body To the raising of the dead No matter how you're feeling Or how your world is reeling Battle on through the night Cause you're gonna win the fight the church say Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.